0: Well, hey there, folks. Welcome to another Tech Experience podcast. James Hilliard here with you today. Our chat today is accept the status quo. The hybrid workforce is here to stay. This conversation brought to you by Connection in partnership with Intel. I know many of you know that October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. It was created back in 04 by the National Cybersecurity Alliance, as well as the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. The idea, ensure every American has the resources they need to stay safe, be more secure online. For 2021, the theme is do your part, be cyber smart. The theme empowers people to own their role in protecting their part of cyberspace. And this year's theme pretty relevant since all of us these days, I think have more ground to protect because we find ourselves working in more places than we have before, again, that hybrid workforce idea. My guests today, Steve Nardoni with us, Senior Director for the Security Network Solutions Center, part of our Technology Solutions Group at Connection. And Yasser Rashid is with us, Global Director of Enterprise Clients at Intel. The intro is done, so let's get into the conversation. All right, and Yasser, since you are our guest today, do you accept our premise here, the new status quo, hybrid workforce, it is here to stay, yes or no? Yes. Steve Nardoni, yes or no? Yes. Now you guys got to back it up. Yasser, what do you point to that says, yes, it's here to stay, not just you know, for the next six months, but for you know, a real change in the work environment?
1: The way I see it is uh, uh, really the environment uh, is no longer acceptable to go back and, and just force people to go to work every day. Uh, the people tasted the flexibility of working from home. It doesn't mean that they will always work from home, but now they want more flexibility. And I think for uh, the years to come and maybe decades, we're going to see more flexible working models.
0: Steve, what are you pointing to that says it's here?
2: Yeah, so, you know, it really is interesting. It certainly is part of a business conversation, right, associated with does it make sense for the business to do this, right? ability maybe reduce overhead uh, associated with physical plant and so on. So that's going to be a certain component of it. But the interesting part is that we proved it it works over the last couple of years. Um, And honestly, what we've done, although a lot of people don't realize, is we did a grand exercise on business continuity, is everybody had to figure out how to make this whole thing work. And, um, you know, the efficiencies that have been created in some cases with workers that can be much more efficient depending upon where they're located, right, and um, the connectivity, we proved works. So, you know, I think the, the, the uh, exercise was a success, and I think it's just going to make sense to continue doing that. I mean, hybrid works means at home, in the office, depending upon where you need to be. Um, and I just think it's, it, it, clearly is the model moving forward.
0: I'm going to agree with, with both of you. I do agree that it's, it's here to stay. It's been here for me to stay for 15 plus years. Uh, I have been one of these hybrid where, when I need to be on site with my teams and work with them, I can be, but so much of my work has been here. Here's where I still do see a challenge. We did get through, you know, the last, uh, year, 18 months or so. Here's, here's my concern, and this is what I want to talk about, and kind of the, the challenge to the new normal, new normal. The bad guys are out there. And again, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, so we're going to have a security focus here. Steve, are they going to catch up? I kind of have this sense that they saw that we all went home, They did what they could try and do. Fishing attacks, 350% increase in the first like two months of people heading on home. I just feel there's been a a bit of a lull and I'm waiting for that next major, major affront to those of us that are working from home and hybrid. Am I scared for no reason? Am I paranoid, Steve, for no reason? Or have I been hanging out with you too long? And yeah, there's reason to be concerned.
2: Well, there's definitely reason to be concerned. Absolutely, for sure. Um, and the interesting thing that we need to make sure that we pay attention to is that hackers are opportunists. So what they're looking for is an easy path for success. I used to say, uh, you know, hackers by, you know, in general are lazy. Right. That's that's not really necessarily the case. Right. But they look for low hanging fruit and they look for the easiest mechanisms that they can go after. And a uh, hybrid model, especially with remote workers is definitely an area that is going to continue to be uh, a high pattern of attack for the malicious actors that are that are out there. It just uh, and we could talk about uh, all the reasons for that. I'm sure we will but yeah, yeah it's going to continue.
0: Yeah so I know a lot of people you know they, they got home. Uh, they were like, okay, maybe I need to update my antivirus. Uh, maybe, you know, my organization is doing something to give me some uh, additional, maybe VPN, things like that. But we all kind of react to things. Then then we let our guard down often. That's what human nature has been. Concerns that we're in a lull that, okay, it's been working, haven't seen major problems. And, and again, we might be letting our guard down in terms of awareness, uh, in terms of us doing vigilant work as end
1: users. To make sure we're doing safe compute practices at home. Yeah, James, the uh, the attackers or the the hackers, it's nirvana for them. the uh, The environment is now wide open for them, right? And the Nigerian prince uh, must be celebrating uh, COVID, because now they can attack in so many ways, and the traditional techniques to protect behind firewalls and and whatnot are gone. So they have a much broader attack surface today to uh, to play with. And and
0: that was one of the things, Yasser, when I was working at organizations, um, I always had kind of knowledge that there was this big server room there somewhere in the building that was going to protect me. And if I did something silly, um, you know, phishing email that I clicked on or things like that, okay, the company will protect me. Um, that uh, When I first got home and working remotely and in, in much more of a hybrid environment, I was worried. Because I thought, I'm, I'm out here all by myself, I'm wide open, um, it, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, but it, it goes to, we got to also make sure that the equipment that we're utilizing really is as secure as possible, more so than when we had that big old server
1: room to protect us within the four walls. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you look at uh, the protections, uh, essentially now need to extend to protecting home networks, right? Um, who is uh, playing on, uh, you know, in next room, if you will, uh, when you're working from home or uh, who is, uh, you know, driving by and trying to get access to your wireless network. That now it's, it's really uh, companies need to, uh, need to protect everything and frankly assume that everything is open and uh, apply different techniques uh, to their environment.
0: Well, and I think that that plays into then let me kind of lay out to the audience. There kind of three other main ideas that we want to to spend the, the meat of the time on. Consider this. We've opened things, set the stage. Now we'll, we'll dive a bit deeper here. And those three areas are zero trust. That's going to be the first thing. And, and that really, I think what Yasser was just talking about is leading right into that. We're going to talk, as I alluded to a little bit, hardware does matter, right? It still matters. We need to have good, good hardware. Yes, software as well. But we'll talk a little bit of that. And then uh, we're going to lead into a bit of a conversation towards the end, folks, about becoming students, continuing to be students. And I'll let Steve and Yasser talk about what type of student we need to be and what we need to be studying. So that's all coming up here in the next 20 minutes or so. Zero trust. Steve, do us a favor, uh, define it as you see it today, how most people in the, the IT security space see zero trust. What is it? What's it mean?
2: Yeah, so, you know, there are really sort of three components I like to emphasize when we talk about zero trust. And, you know, the, the first component that everybody understands pretty readily is um, what you need to do is make sure that you have the appropriate level of identi- identification and uh, authentication of people, of machines, and of processes into your network, right? Because you want to make sure that you're uniquely identifying them with multi-factor authentication as an example, right? So, so that's step one, right? Keep the bad guy out. But the other part of this component, which zero trust really addresses um, in great detail is you can't ignore the fact that the expectation is the hackers already on the inside. Right. They've already crossed the moat. They've already climbed the walls. They're already inside the castle. So zero trust has to take into consideration that what you're protecting against from a model. Um, they've already achieved success. They're already on the inside, right? So that addresses things like segmentation and and, um, detection and response and that kind of thing. And the third component, which I think a lot of people don't understand is people, process and technology all need to be built and come together in a cohesive way in order to be able to achieve zero trust. It's not just boxes, right? It's not just hardware and software. People in process need to be engaged as well, and that covers the, uh, you know, the detection and the response kind of piece. So those three components, I think, are really important for everybody to understand what zero trust is really all about.
0: Yasser, yeah, who do you like owning zero trust, right? Intel's out there talking to so many organizations. You have an opportunity to talk to so many folks. Who do you like to see as an owner of that zero trust mentality at an organization? I believe everyone.
2: Everyone
1: needs to uh, really, you know, kind of raise their guards, if you will, and, and think, be more diligent. I, uh, the analogy I use with a lot of uh, folks is, uh, you, if someone is living in a nice neighborhood, the crime rate is low, it's safe, no thefts, and so on. You, you leave your front door unlocked, um, no security cameras, no need for, uh, uh, you know, patrols and, and whatnot if you move to a neighborhood where the crime rate is, is higher and, and you know that there are uh, more risks, um, first you, you protect yourself, you, uh, you put a good lock on the front door, you put maybe some um, security cameras, patrols, you talk to your kids about, hey, uh, make sure you know who you're talking to in the, in the street, uh, don't um, get in the car for someone telling you, hey, I'm a friend of your dad uh, and so on and so forth, right? But everyone in the family now needs to be more diligent. And that's the same situation uh, we're living now.
0: Do you see an area where where teams are struggling with getting certain parts of their organization into that zero trust mindset? Is there a, a speed bump? I'll go back to your neighborhood analogy. Is there a speed bump that you've seen certain teams kind of stumble
1: over or slow them towards this idea of zero trust? I see fatigue uh, uh, creeping in, if you will, right? Uh, a lot of people say, hey, my, I've updated my software and uh, I should be good. And, and I'm tired of, uh, of hearing about uh, bad news. Well, the reality is the attackers are waiting until there is a tiny crack in the system. And it's the responsibility of the defenders to protect 100% um, and not leave any crack in the system. So the, the speed bump is, is really, we need to continue to educate and simplify Uh, so that people don't get that fatigue.
0: Steve, you live a very secure world uh, that's been, you know, security has been a part of of your uh, working career for so long uh, that I think it is second nature to someone like you. But I, I think Yasser's right on spot that a lot of people are fatigued by this, tired, this is a new, and, and now we're trying to secure more. It's not just those four walls, that server room, and some knucklehead like me clicking on the wrong email. It's people uh, not only regionally, but could be across the world now because we're working in this hybrid environment. So me in California can work for a company out of Asia pack or, or what have you. So, um, so how do you prevent maybe some of that fatigue, Steve, what, what are you seeing people struggling with and, and what advice would you give them to kind of power through?
2: Yeah. And I, I can't emphasize how important that comment that Yasser made was right to fatigue. It's definitely happening, and and, and it is a, uh, a a component of risk, right? When you think about it, right? If you're fatigued and you and you don't follow all the rules and principles that you know you need to do, um, something something bad could happen. Um, so you know, really, um, the we always talk about the user being the weakest link in the security chain. And you know, it sounds you know awful to say something like that, but it really is true. And and if you think about it from this perspective the hackers are out there and they're running um, script kitties and programs against everything that's running on the internet on a regular basis and they're looking for something that's going to be a win for them and and essentially they only need one right one win i got through and i got into this environment the the it and the it security folks in every company have to get it right every single time and that's another component of fatigue right so I guess the comment I would make would be constant vigilance and figure out a way, you know, it sounds kind of funny, but, you know, even, you know, National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, one of the things that we think about is make security a core component, but also try and make it fun, right? The education process, a little bit more fun, um, but you really need to keep hitting and keep hitting and keep hitting because you don't want to be that, that user that clicked on that link, right? You don't want to be that person.
0: Yasser, yeah, have you seen... Or heard any stories, anecdotes of a, a great approach that an organization has taken to really get their end users, right, us the hybrid worker, engaged with security, uh, to Steve's word, fun, excited about security, so that they actually take it seriously.
1: Yeah, I, I've seen companies um, uh, kind of take a combination of um, of approaches first. Uh, refresh their their infrastructure to cope with the new challenges, right? But they take advantage of it and they say, hey, and they kind of educate their employees at the same time by saying, we're refreshing, we're modernizing the infrastructure, we're raising our security uh, bar, if you will. And at the same time, now this is your opportunity to play your role, right? And they tie the two together so that uh, it's a, it's kind of a creating an event that allows people to say, oh, um The company is doing their part, I'm going to do my part now, right? If they just roll out training without doing the rest, it feels like it's it's not genuine. And if they just upgrade the infrastructure and not educate, they miss the opportunity. Copy that. It leads into, and I, I want to start talking about the hardware
0: a little bit. And I'm actually staring at a new machine that I just picked up about six months ago, and I've got that Intel Xeon processor right. The Intel Xeon inside sticker, lower left of uh, of my laptop here, and it's something I, I've been in the industry for a long time. I've I, I don't think I've ever had a machine that didn't have Intel inside. To go back to the way back branding, um, it's something though that we have to look at that we can educate as much as possible. And we can try and tell people to do the right things. But at the end of the day, like Steve mentioned, one mistake, whether it's by an IT configuration mistake or one of us end users... And the bad guys can get in. And so that's where we need to also rely on the hardware out there. Um, talk a little bit, Yasser, about the kind of uh, idea and importance that hardware still has in really the, the cornucopia that we have to put together. Obviously, there are software components. There's the, the people, the process, the, all that that we've talked about education. But talk about the hardware for a moment, how central that is to trying to stay ahead of the, of the bad guys.
1: Great question, uh, James. And, and fundamentally, uh, let's talk a little bit about software. Why is software failing to protect us? It's, fundamentally, software is, uh, by design, um, a level playing field for the attackers and the developers, right? It's the same environment and the same tool set, same capabilities. So the attackers, in fact, if they use the latest techniques they have a leg up over traditional developers who have to uh, cut costs and and deal with with financial restrictions, right? So in in essence, software alone has limited visibility, cannot see an attacker uh, hiding in a virtual machine, for example, right? Or cannot see an attacker going under the operating system and uh, utilizing system management uh, hooks. So fundamentally software is limited. Hardware can, can play a, the role and complement software in ways that the software alone can, cannot do. It's the, um, I, I, I love analogies with the, that, that kind of bring it home, right? Um, if you have a car that, and it break, broke down on a highway, uh, you don't tow it with the same car. You bring in another tow truck. The hardware is the tow truck for software, right? It's what bails it out when something goes wrong. It's what what can have that monitoring and, and supervision capability uh, that helps and supports the, the software properly. And, and Steve, I know, and you and I have chatted about this a,
0: a little bit, so love to, to have you share with this audience today, but there have been tools built into the hardware, built into the Intel chipsets that can help IT turn on certain things to protect against us human beings, yet those aren't always used. And it's still something that people are like, oh, I didn't think about that, or I didn't realize I could. Is that still an issue that you're seeing even today?
2: Yeah, absolutely, James. And, um, you know, and it is a, f- a fundamental human condition, right? It's I get this technology and I want to use it in a productivity environment. I want to do the things that I need to do to, to do my job. Um, IT wants to be able to deploy systems and get it into users' hands. You got to take a step back and ask the fundamental question. Is there something built into the hardware or the infrastructure in any area that we could leverage to provide a deeper level of layered protection. And, you know, Intel provides fantastic security through their their chipset. And the beauty of it is that at the hardware layer, um, it provides fundamental protection that is, is extremely difficult, if not impossible, to be able to break. Whereas software can be corrupted in some way, shape, or form. Um, So, you know, everybody needs to be asking themselves the question, what is the capability of this machine that I have in front of me, right? What capabilities is built in in an integrated way to provide very deep layered security, especially at the hardware level? How do I implement it? How do I turn it on? How do I leverage it? And every IT team should be asking themselves that question of every single system they put into a user's hands. Because, again, we talked about it. The user is the weakest link in the chain enable them with the best protection that you can give them right turn it on so that's you know that's we do see it and that's my recommendation
0: yeah and and alluding to vpro here as as one of those technologies right that has been uh, built in and utilized let let me ask you this yasser in terms of uh, hardware there can you give a little compare contrast maybe talking directly to it folks right now that are looking at refreshing some hardware. What might be some of those newer security capabilities in machines? And let's take the the end user machines for now. Um, what's new now compared to what they might be running from say three years ago?
1: Right. You know, so so first of all, uh, I'm glad you mentioned VPro because VPro is really the platform that is designed and built for business, and um, at Intel, we, uh, we, every year we modify the specification of vPro platforms to take advantage of the hardware capabilities and protect against the latest threats. And by, for, from a selection of devices perspective, I would encourage everyone to say, okay, what, where's the latest vPro? Because Intel uh, folks have taken a lot of time to make sure it has the latest and greatest technology capabilities and solution platform that supports that. Um, Examples, Uh, you know, IT and more specifically, chief information security officers, they have to protect against, um, you know, all the attacks, uh, protect their identity and data. Second, they do detection of uh, any threats in their environment. And third, they correct from a scenario of compromise or an attack. So protect, detect and correct. And Intel vPro offers exactly the capabilities that allows them to do this some of them seamlessly. And it's like, you know, when you use your um, ABS brakes in your car, you still use the same pedal, but under the hood, there is a sophisticated technology that allows the car to be braking more safely. And that's the type of capabilities that is built into vPro and simplifies the lives of IT and makes it a lot more secure for end users. If
0: I were to stop for a second and look at our scorecard, Yasser is winning on the analogy front, Steve. He's (laughs) He's, <laughs> up, he's like got two or three super solid ones in there so you've still got about eight minutes or so if you want to bring something there but he is he is on game there for the analysis I'll,
2: I'll see what I can do James. all yeah. right
0: um <laughs> let's do this I want I, I mentioned we need to become students and this was something else that uh that I wanted to talk about and folks again we're not going deep dive technology wise into uh, much more on the hardware front but just know this right you can reach out to your connection team you can get Steve on board they can get the Intel guys on board. There's a lot more to be discussed there, but we want to do that at a high level uh, here. So let, let's talk about students. We all want to continue. I think we all should want to continue to learn. I think a lot of people have been doing a lot of learning in the last 18 months or so. And and Steve, one of the things that you've uh, been out there sharing with a, a lot of different audiences is these ideas of becoming a student of risk and becoming a student of threat. Start with that idea of student of risk. What does that mean? And who needs to be that student
2: yeah so you know i'll i'll go back to uh to yas's comment a little while ago which is everyone right um but you know certainly um anybody that's in the information security or cyber security organization needs to make sure that they understand risk and when we say student of risk what we mean is risk changes on a daily basis right you can never sit back and say okay i'm done so Make sure that you're paying attention to how risk is changing in the environment. What techniques are the bad actors using out there to get into other environments? Study other uh, breaches that have happened. What do they do? You know, some of the figures that are out there right now is uh, credential stealing uh, attacks are beginning to increase significantly. We know that phishing attacks through email delivery are somewhere around 98% of the attacks that take place. Study how those things occurred, where the weaknesses may have been, and then figure out how to translate that into learning and awareness for your resources. So that's really what we're talking about. It, it, you just have to constantly be paying attention. And there's, of course, there are so many different resources out there that you can utilize. Right? You can just Google cybersecurity cyber and you'll find, you know, 10 different forms that are worth spending some quality time with.
0: And I was going to ask you that because as a student of risk, if we're out there trying to see what happened and protect against, I can also, though, kind of think that the bad guys are trying to be students, too. They're trying to see, oh, well, that one worked. Let me see if I can replicate that. Um, Yasser, on, on your end, do you have, uh, you know, Steve saying get involved in some of these uh, forums that may be out there? And again, a lot of the folks that we're talking to, they have their own networks of people and trusted resources. But is there something that you try and keep an eye or ear on in terms of uh, just knowing what are the biggest, latest and greatest risks to people?
1: I think I would echo what, what Steve said, and, and, and frankly, nowadays, um, uh, first, uh, the best way to, uh, to learn is to teach, right? So share information and, and help others with what you know, and that itself will, will have others kind of open up and, and share their information as well. Um, but we really need to, um, I'm going to circle back to zero trust, assume that that, uh, that compromise will, will take place, be ready to recover from it, have the right backup, have the right infrastructure to recover from, and have the right hardware and and capabilities and services to to have that recovery happen in a short time so that productivity is not interrupted or is interrupted less. Um, We have to continue to learn and be ready for that to happen.
0: Steve, what's the difference between being a student of risk and being a student of threat?
2: Yeah, just a great question. So threat, um, you know, is the potential that, that something onerous is going to happen in the cybersecurity world. So when we say student of threat, what we're, what we're saying is make sure you know who the threat actors are out there. Um, you know, uh, we've talked about this for many years, James, right? And, and we've talked about nation state actors. And, you know, you go back two or three years ago. Um, many of the folks in the small to mid-market space and commercial business weren't really worried about that, right? Now what's happened, right? We've seen a lot of nation state attacks that have happened. So they are a very valid threat actor at this point in time. There are very uh, well-organized attacker-based organizations that are out there as well. So spend time understanding that and know who is a potential threat to you. Uh, Again, understand what they're doing and how they may be executing attacks and then do a risk analysis um, in your own environment to say if they were to do that, you know, how would we react? How would we protect ourselves? How would we, you know, it all gets back to the kill chain, right? How do we, how do we reduce the time uh, in the kill chain so that we can um, respond and recover? So um, threat first, risk second
0: those exercises of being ready to respond, even mocking it up and going through a certain scenario, uh, the idea of doing, uh, even more just, just back to the end users again, because we're again, talking, you know, this hybrid environment, you know, sending out phishing mails internally to see if people uh, are going to be tripped up by them. And then obviously you're not looking to, you're not firing them if they get tripped up by, it, but it's a, it's a time that you can educate them, um, kind of goes to, to one of these ideas. And, in. the, this is where I'm heading to on that is if I'm an end user and, and I do kind of think something's a little fishy, a little funny, a little off with, I don't know, maybe this is a security concern. Maybe it's not. What should an end user like take myself? What should I do? Who should I reach out to? What, what do I start doing to raise an alarm to say this might be the beginning of something that could be, you know, catastrophic?
1: Yeah, the simplest uh, uh, advice is if you see something, say something, right? Uh, and that uh, uh, is applicable on um, so many fronts, but fundamentally, if you see something suspicious, uh, raise it to your IT and, and bring it, bring it uh, to their attention. And uh, back to, uh, to the education piece and, and the awareness, this is a responsibility for all of us. And if we do it right, uh, we're gonna all be better educated and better ready. For uh, when something goes wrong, uh, I love the analogy here, and I mean, I'm going to continue uh, on that. To fire drills, right? <laughs> and and uh, or preparing for the next uh, uh, tornado, or uh, pick your favorite uh, uh, disaster. We all prepare for it. We need to prepare for the security attacks as well. Hmm. Do we
0: need to change how often we prepare? Because I know that used to kind of be part of the operating manual for IT for the year. At some point, we're going to do our little test and da-da-da. Do we need to dust off those a little more often or in a different variety? Um, I I, I also, though, and I think IT as well, sometimes they're worried of fatigue of the end user, right, of of constantly testing a system. I'm thinking back to our hybrid environment. You know, if I'm at home, how often do I want to be talking to my IT folks and, and having them double check my system and double check my network configuration, all those types of things. And what are your thoughts on that in terms of how often we need to be kind of raising that, that fire alarm just to test things out?
2: You know, constant awareness, as I mentioned, constant vigilance is something that we need to make sure that we're paying attention to. I did want to emphasize one point. Um, you know, Yasa mentioned if you see something, say something. One of the one of the first things any organization that is building a cybersecurity or an information security program needs to do is to create the strategy for how the end user is going to reach out to whoever they need to reach out to when that happens, right? You really need to have a a thorough system where the user knows, I call this number, I send this email, I contact this in some structure, I, you know, ticket, whatever it happens to be. It needs to be well socialized and everybody needs to understand that. And that creates the overall level of awareness and some sense comfort that, you know, they are part of the, the chain, right? They're part of the incident management process. But as far as, um, you know, how often you need to be paying attention, I think the, the biggest fundamental thing every user needs to understand is that when you boil it down to the lowest level, it's really the protection of data that we're worried about. And that's one of the things that's actually fallen apart a little bit in this hybrid workforce is you know, people trying to figure out different ways to be able to share data that may not be consistent with policy. You need to take a step back and say, I'm responsible for running a system. I'm responsible for protecting sensitive information. Am I doing it in a way where I'm not exposing any risk to the company? And that's you know, really one of the, the best first steps for everybody that need, needs to do from an awareness point of view.
0: I think that's a great one to grow on. Yasser. let's give you the last word. What's a one to grow on, something we can take away from and say, maybe I'll start acting in a little bit of a different manner tomorrow than I did yesterday?
1: And I I want to circle back to getting the right infrastructure, the right hardware, uh, that awareness and that education. Everyone needs to know that when they equip themselves with the right hardware, They already are 10x better, and I don't want to put a number. It's multiple x uh, better. Uh, So you know, start there, and the rest can can uh, follow. So um, I I would encourage everyone to to educate themselves on on uh, why hardware matters and get the best hardware.
0: Yeah, sir. Appreciate the time. Steve, appreciate the time as well. Again, folks, you can reach out to your connection reps and get more information. You can get Steve and team on board to chat with you. They can bring in, of course, we've got a great relationship with Intel, so can bring folks in to chat with you. Here's our final call to action for all of you. It's uh, directions to visit us online, connection.com. Then simply click on services, top of the screen. Then you scroll down cyber services and you'll see a link right there to our cyber security awareness page. So connection.com, click on services, scroll to the cyber security services and you'll see that cyber security awareness page. More information there, guys. Appreciate the time, folks. Thank you for listening. On behalf of everybody, James Hilliard here. And we do look forward to talking to you all down the road.